Amen. It is a blessing to celebrate the King of Kings. At this time, if there, I think all the children have already made their way out. I see Amy is not even in here. She's already taken them. Uh, it is a blessing to be able to worship the Lord and celebrate all he does and all he has done. Uh, I want to begin today uh, with a word of scripture. A lot of times I'll give you some kind of introduction, but I want to begin with the scripture today. We're going to be in Isaiah chapter 9. If you would like to turn in your Bibles, I invite you to do so. I'm going to begin reading in verse 2. I'm going to focus much of my attention today in Isaiah 9, 2, and then verses 6 and 7. Both, All three of those verses tend to be used with the Christmas story so often. But actually, when we look at this passage in its entirety, there is a message that is very relevant even outside of the Christmas season. So Isaiah chapter 9, beginning in verse 2, says this, The people walking in darkness have seen a great light. On those living in the land of deep darkness, a light has dawned. You have enlarged the nation and increased their joy. They rejoice before you as people rejoice at the harvest, as warriors rejoice when dividing the plunder. For as in the day of Midian's defeat, you have shattered the yoke that burdens them, the bar across their shoulders, the rod of their oppressor. Every warrior's boot used in battle and every garment rolled in blood will be destined for burning, will be fuel for the fire. For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the greatness of his government and peace there will be no end. He will reign on David's throne and over his kingdom, establishing and upholding it with justice and righteousness from that time on and forever. The zeal of the Lord Almighty will accomplish this. Let's pray. Father, as we have read your word, I pray now that you would apply it to our hearts. I pray that you would speak to us, that we would recognize this is more than words on a page from a couple thousand plus years ago, but rather this is something that gives us hope even today. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Hebrews chapter 11 tells us that faith is the substance of things hoped for. So I begin with a related question this morning. What is hope? Faith is the substance of things hoped for, but what is hope? Hope is the anticipation of what is to come. It is typically some type of reward or blessing that we long for in the future. We may not know when it's going to come, but it's something that we long for in the future. A simple example of hope is actually found in the Christmas tree that has been placed on the stage here this morning. You may have noticed when you walked in today that some of the Christmas decorations have been put in place. As the weeks progress toward Christmas, we will place more and more decorations. Uh, obviously, you probably notice that there are some things that are missing. For example, we don't have the poinsettias that are out, but they will be out. You don't see any ornaments on the tree. You don't see a star or you don't see whatever else we put on the tree. The point is that 
we look with anticipation at what will be there in the weeks ahead. Maybe next week you come in and there are a few ornaments. Maybe the week after that you come in and you notice there are points that I don't know the order that they're going to be, but there's a sense of anticipation as to what could be next. I will add that hope is most appreciated when it seems that things are most difficult in our lives. When it seems like things are falling apart, when things aren't going the way we dreamed that they would be, hope is most valued in those times. So what is it that brings you hope today? Isaiah encourages us with the idea that darkness can never put out the light. That's the way light is. The darker the darkness gets, the brighter the light becomes. Just because a room is incredibly dark, it does not mean that somehow the light will become quenched. It was a dark time living in a land occupied by a foreign power for Isaiah, a power which made difficult demands on God's people. These past few years have been a dark time for our world as well. We need some light in view of a relentless pandemic, divisive politics that drag on for decades, the war in Ukraine that is very personal on the other side of the world, oppression of people around the world, gun violence, constant protests and riots, and civil unrest in the United States. As I have reflected So often the darkness has seemed inescapable, as if there is no way to get away. And yet, the darker the darkness gets, the brighter the light becomes. Charles Dickens, in his book, A Tale of Two Cities, wrote this. It was the best of times. It was the worst of times. It was the age of wisdom. It was the age of foolishness. It was the epoch of belief. By the way, the proper pronunciation for that is epoch, but I'm going to say epic because that's what everybody else says. It was the epic of belief. It was the epic of incredulity. It was the season of light. It was the season of darkness. It was the spring of hope. It was the winter of despair. Dickens was describing the mood of the world around him in that day. Those words are also very accurate of our times and the times in which Isaiah lived as he wrote this passage. Israel had been carried away into Assyria and they had been scattered throughout the empire. Both Judah and Jerusalem were doomed to be carried away into Babylon, into captivity. Then In the midst of this dark time, imagine having your own children taken from you. The story of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, and Daniel, they were taken from their own families and made to go serve in a Babylonian court. Imagine how dark that felt, your own children being taken from you, not even having the place that you called home available to you. They were scattered, yet in the midst of of the darkness, the prophet comes with a word of hope. God would send his Messiah into this dark world and he would bring light and life. 
God will often visit. He will visit the most hard-hearted, arrogant, ignorant, and despised people with wonderful opportunities to change. When it is darkest, that's when God tends to show up. The offer of salvation is so precious to us. Many will ignore God's call to salvation, yet he calls to them. Many will actually become comfortable within the darkness. And he says, but I offer you light. The gloom, despair, and oppression that was so vivid in Isaiah's day is overshadowed by a new light that the prophet sees. The prophet moves from walking in darkness to walking in the light, from oppression to justice, from war to peace. The prophet sees God's world becoming what God had originally intended it to be. He sees light and life, joy and peace, liberty and freedom. You know, I began by talking about all the ugliness that is in our world, and the reality is that all of us are very familiar with that. I mentioned a few of those things, things that we hear talked about on the news all the time, things that we see in our face everywhere we go. It can become so easy to become fixated on those dark, ugly things, but God is offering something so beautiful in the midst of it. Maybe we need to change our perspective just a little bit. Isaiah tells them that the Messiah will come and he will make all these things, peace, liberty, freedom, joy, all of these things, he will make them become reality. The Messiah comes with the heart of God and knows that God is a lover of justice and peace. Isaiah sees and believes that the Messiah is God's answer to all of the world's ills. Isaiah's worldview and his hopes are in the coming Messiah who can save the world, who can uphold life, who can establish justice and peace, turning the hearts of all mankind to God ever think that it's too dark? You ever think that there's no way that God could redeem this world? We look at the sin around us, there's too much, there's no way that God could change that heart. There's no, God, no way that God could change the world in which we live today. And I assure you today that the Messiah can change the world. The people who walked in darkness have seen a great light. Have you caught the prophet's vision? In the darkness, can you see that the Messiah can come and pierce through the darkness? Do you see it today? Does the world you imagine look like the world that Isaiah foretold? The good news is it will come because Jesus is the light of the world. How do I know that? It will come. Actually, the passage told us the zeal of the Lord will actually make it happen. Isaiah described their current condition as the people walking in darkness. You picture them stumbling and falling and in constant danger. Have you ever walked through a room in the middle of the night when it is so dark and somebody put something where it shouldn't be? 
And the next thing you know, you're either stubbing your toe, or in our case, my dog has these, I don't know what they are, but the dog chews on them. And she is so disrespectful, she never puts them back where they belong. So in the middle of the night, when I get up to go use the restroom, I'm walking through, and all of a sudden, my wife hears me yelling because I have stepped on one of those things. I'm going to tell you, the darkness is a brutal place. But in the midst of that, there is hope. In Matthew's gospel, he describes the people as sitting in darkness, paralyzed by fear, afraid to stand or move, even to go forward. Darkness expresses confusion, calam- expresses confusion, it expresses calamity, ignorance, and hopelessness. But the good news is there is a brighter day that is coming. The first thing I want you to see today is that God's light will outshine the present darkness. The people who walk in darkness will see a great light. For those who live in the land of deep darkness, a light will shine. Jesus Christ would come hundreds of years later as a bright light from God. As Isaiah wrote this, Jesus the Messiah has not yet come, but he writes his writes it as if he knows exactly what will take place. Jesus Christ would fulfill the prophecy and he would shine so bright that the darkness could not overcome it. The darkness has no power to extinguish God's light. Listen to the words of John chapter 1 verse 1 through 5. In the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him, and without him nothing was made that was made. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. And the light shines in the darkness, and the darkness did not comprehend it. It couldn't fight against it. There was nothing it could do to counter the work of the light of the world. During these dark times, Jesus himself commissions us to shine brightly as well. It's not just Jesus being the light of the world. Listen to Matthew 5, verse 14 to 16. You, you are the light of the world. A city that is set on a hill cannot be hidden, nor do they light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a lampstand. And it gives light to all who are in the house. Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. Just as Jesus is the light of the world, come Christmas Eve, we're going to have a service here and everybody gets to hold a candle. We watch with some of the smaller children, but everyone gets to hold a candle. And what happens is at the beginning of the candle lighting portion of the service, we have one candle that's lit. Actually, we will light it off of the Christ candle that will be right in the middle of that ring there. From that one candle, the entire room will become lit up. All of these external lights, they'll be gone. There'll be no electricity. Well, there will be electricity, but we're not going to be using those lights. And what will happen is the light from that Christ candle will spread throughout the room. What a great image of what's happening here in Matthew. 
the light of the world himself, is telling you that you are the light of the world. You will be the one to carry that light into a darkened world. It is good news that darkness cannot conquer light. Darkness has no power. It is simply the absence of light. Darkness is negative. Light is positive. All the darkness in the world can be driven back by a single candlelight. The only influence that darkness has is to create illusions and inspire fear because of uncertainty and a lack of knowledge. Yet the moment light comes, reality is revealed. The fear is driven back. God's light will always outshine the darkness. A brighter day is coming. The second thing that I want you to see today is that God's light will transform. It's not just overcoming the darkness. God's light will transform this present dark world. Listen again to our passage. You have enlarged the nation and increased their joy. They rejoice before you as people rejoice at harvest, as warriors rejoice when dividing the plunder. For as in the day of Midian's defeat, you have shattered the yoke that burdens them, the bar across their shoulders, the rod of their oppressor. Isaiah reminds the believers that you have faced great odds before. Think about the Jewish history, some of the great odds that they have had to face. We've talked often about Joshua and the walls of Jericho. The people of Israel knew that they had a mighty wall that they had to overcome. But they knew that God could overcome that wall. Even more appropriate... In this direct passage, it references actually Gideon. As in the days of Midian's defeat, what's he talking about? When Gideon and his 300 men faced a Midianite army with over 100,000 Midianite soldiers, God gave them an overwhelming victory, and they were defeated as if there were only one man as opposed to 100,000 men. God's light will transform the world because his people no longer are sitting in darkness, no longer paralyzed by fear. God's people are rising up to break the yoke of slavery. They're rising up to lift the heavy burden from their shoulders. God's light is within his people and is shining through them, bringing light and life to others. According to Romans 8, 28, we read that all things work together for the good of God and those who are called according to his purpose. God can work through good things, but he can even work through bad things. God can work through the light and he can work in darkness. God can work through politics. He can work through economics. He can work through an election that we just came through. Don't allow this present darkness to convince you that there is no light, that there is no hope, and it's nothing but darkness everywhere. Have you ever looked at some of the things that God allows to take place and wonder, man, have we gone too far for God to be able to move? Maybe, all right, I know that we just went through an election cycle. 
I'm not going to choose Republican or Democrat. I want you to listen just for a second. Maybe as individuals were elected, you thought to yourself, why would God allow that individual to be elected? Republican, Democrat, I honestly don't care. Maybe you've looked and you've thought to yourself, how could God ever turn this into something good? I don't know the answer to that. I just know that he can. That he can use the most ungodly leaders to lead revival in his land. You say, I, I don't know that. All right, Nebuchadnezzar. Anyone know who Nebuchadnezzar was? He was an ungodly man. Daniel was very familiar with him. Do you remember? Do you remember? Okay, Daniel chapter 3. Beautiful story. Daniel chapter 3. Nebuchadnezzar has established this idol that everyone is supposed to worship. Every time you hear the sound of the horn, the flute, the zither, the lyre, you're supposed to stop what you're doing and you're going to bow down and worship this image of gold. Daniel knew that that would not honor the Lord. So Daniel refused. No matter what, I'm not going to do it. I said, Daniel, that's Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego's story. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego refused, and they, they decided they were not going to do it. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego determined no matter what, they would serve their God and only their God. And in Daniel chapter 3, they declared to the king that we know our God is able to deliver us. Even if you throw us into this fiery furnace because we're not willing to worship your image of gold, we know our God is able to deliver us. But even if he doesn't, O King Nebuchadnezzar, we want you to know that we will not worship your image of gold. We will not bow down. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego were faithful to the point that they are bound up and they are thrown into the fire. And at no point did they turn and say, you know what, King, maybe we overestimated things. Maybe we should have decided to bow down and worship your image of gold. No. They're getting bound up. I imagine they probably are thinking to themselves, okay, God, now would be a good time to rescue us. We're being bound. I can feel the heat from the flames. It'd be a good time for you to deliver us right now. But they're still thrown into the fiery furnace. Now picture the king. He's looking at Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. He's looking at them in the fire. You ever sat around a fire and just watched the flames? I picture the king doing that. And as he sits there, he says, wait a minute. Didn't we throw three men into the fire? Y'all remember the story? He says, I see a fourth one who is walking around and he looks like a son of the gods. And we would look and say, he's talking about the son of God. King Nebuchadnezzar calls out to Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And he invites them to come out. Interesting thing, King Nebuchadnezzar was in no way a godly king. But you know what he says when they come out of the fire? <laughs> he refers to, king, to Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego as servants of the Most High God. He actually instructs the people that they are not to say anything against the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. An ungodly king actually doing the work that God called him to do. 
man, I look at our world and I see the brokenness and I see some of the things that God lets happen. And I wonder, God, how could you even work in the midst of those things? And the only thing I can tell you is I know that he does. Sometimes when it seems really dark, that's when we begin to see the light more clearly. Don't allow darkness to obstruct your vision, blinding you from God's hope. Without hope, there is no expectation of the future. God's light brings hope. A brighter day is coming. Beyond the doom, beyond the gloom, beyond all the things that I described to you earlier, God will turn our mourning into dancing. God will give us great joy, a joy as in the day of his harvest. And we will divide the spoils of victory just as that passage talks about. Elijah, Job, David, even John the Baptist, they all experienced seasons of doom and gloom. There were days, even though they were God's chosen instrument, he was doing great things through them, there were days that they wondered, am I in the right place? They looked at the darkness around them and they themselves felt defeated. Yet in every case, God's light, his word and his peace would sustain them. To every believer, God has made us agents of transformation. Just as his word and spirit have transformed our lives, it will transform the lives of others. Let your light shine and brighten your corner of the world. There are people that you have the opportunity to minister to, and they are walking in a great darkness. But you are the light of the world. Take the light with you everywhere you go and let it shine to those around you. Jesus' light cannot be put out. Even though the Roman soldiers would crucify him, they could not put out his light. The cross, the, the worst evil of the world, was transformed into a symbol of salvation and deliverance. How could God use this? Imagine, imagine Saturday. Christ was crucified the day before. How dark their world must have seemed. Yet that would become a symbol of the great beauty and light that God would offer. The Roman seal could not stop him. The grave could not hold him. He rose giving hope to all of humanity that death was not the end and it will not be the end for any of us either. You and I as believers have been raised by the same power that raised Jesus from the dead. We have been moved, as we talked about last week, from death into life. Let your light shine. The third thing I want you to see today is that God's light will transform our difficulties into testimonies of victory. Verse 5 said, Every warrior's boot used in battle and every garment rolled in blood will be destined for burning, will be fuel for the fire. There are actually two different messages in this single verse. On the one hand, the things of war and difficulty will eventually lose their power and value. The things that we fear, the things that hold us down, the things that defeat us, they will eventually lose their power over us. In other words, the things that we battle against every day 
They have an end date. Now, I don't know when that end date will come, but we ought to be encouraged that today's struggles will pass away. I remember many years ago hearing, he's a comedian, his name is Mark Lowry. He said, I want to share with you my favorite verse of scripture. He paused, he said, and it came to pass. And there's a pause because actually that's just the first part of the verse. But that's where he stopped. The reality is it came to pass. The things that we struggle with today, they will eventually be in our past. They won't always be a part of our lives. Even if we have to deal with it for the majority of our life here, there is coming a day where all of the pain and the suffering of this world will come to an end. When Jesus returns, I'm going to tell you, all the suffering, it's going to be something we talk about, but it's not going to be a part of who we are because it's going to be something that is in our past. But the other Part of this is found in the fact that these things that were intended to stop God's people, they will actually become fuel for them. Knowing the victories which God has granted already, the struggles of the past will become fuel to drive us forward. We know that God has granted us victories in the past, much like we see Isaiah doing here, referencing what Gideon did with the Midianites. We know that God has granted us victories in the past and it spurs us on to hope in the face of future darkness. When something difficult approaches, we do not fear because we know that God has already brought us through so much more. I want you to take a moment and I want you to consider what God has already brought you through in your life. Some of you have had to deal with death. Some of you have had to deal with incredible sickness. Some of you had to deal with job loss. So many doubts, so many questions, so many moments of betrayal and brokenness. But in the midst of all of those things, God has been faithful. He has been the one to carry you through. Even though it may have seemed very dark, he has been the light that has been with you. I want you to know that a brighter day is here and it is still coming. Don't believe the reports that all hope is lost. If you have been looking for good news, I have good news. Jesus, the light of the world, has come. He can turn your mourning into dancing. He can give you beauty for ashes. Walk out of the darkness and into the light. Things look a whole lot better, a whole lot clearer, and a whole lot brighter when you're with Jesus. Have you ever been in a very dark place before? My family visited a place called the Ray Caverns. It's actually up in the western part of Virginia. These are naturally formed caves that are well beneath the earth's surface. There is no external light unless you bring it with you yourself. Without that unnatural light, the caves are so dark that you would not even be able to see your hand in front of your face if it were this close to your face. You are in total darkness. According to medical scientists, 
if we remain in darkness uh, just a few months, our eyes will eventually begin to forget how to see. Total darkness, there's no use for the eyes at all. And what happens is your eyes will actually forget how to see. The muscles and the nerves would completely lose their function. And your sight, even if you went back into the light, would likely not return. Live in darkness long enough, vision will be lost. Hope will be lost. And the future is in danger. But Jesus, that's such a great phrase, (laughs) but Jesus can give sight to the blind. You know, often Jesus would do just that. He would give sight to the blind. Imagine you being in darkness all your life. And nobody else can help. You've probably been to doctors. You've been to priests. You've been to all kinds of people. You've had other people praying for you. And nobody can help. But suddenly this man Jesus shows up. And he spits in the mud and he puts it on your eyes. And then when it washes off, you can see. (laughs) Jesus can take that which is dark and make it bright. A brighter day is coming because God's light will outshine the present darkness. God's light will transform this present dark world. And God's light will transform our difficulties into testimonies of victory. God will use his church as agents of transformation. That means you and that means me. Yes, the church is flawed, but Christ is not. Left alone, the church would be a mess because of its messy people. That's us. So God places the responsibility on the shoulders of Jesus Christ. There's no problem that is too hard, no situation too complicated. Jesus is the answer. In Isaiah 9, this is what it said, For a child is born to us, a son is given to us. The government will rest on his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful, Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. His government and its peace will never end. He will rule with fairness and justice from the throne of his ancestor David for all eternity. The passionate commitment or the zeal of the Lord of heaven's armies will make this happen. This great work will not be left in the hands of Democrats or Republicans or independents. It will not be left in the hands of our Senate or Congress or the Supreme Court. In fact, I would suggest that some, if not all, of those groups that I just mentioned would probably prefer to stay in darkness. It's hard to believe. Listen to the words of John chapter 3, verse 19 to 21. This is the verdict. Light has come into the world. We're talking about Jesus. But people loved darkness instead of light because their deeds were evil. Everyone who does evil hates the light and will not come into the light for fear that their deeds will be exposed. But whoever lives by the truth comes into the light so that it may be seen plainly that what they have done has been done in the sight of God. We live in a world that has loved darkness. They like the way things are 
Perhaps because it's simply the familiar. But God's light will not be stopped. God has the whole world under his control. Notice that in our passage today, we read that for to us a child is born, to us a son is given. The term given is so important because a gift must be received. A gift should be received with thanks, yet a gift can be ignored and unappreciated or even criticized. In the same chapter that I just read from John chapter 3, we read these familiar words. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. God has made a brighter light available to all who would receive his gift. It is not God's will that any should perish, yet I hate to tell you, many will because they love the darkness and they would rather stay there. They choose to sit in darkness when light has come, but I have good news, a brighter day has come and it is through Jesus Christ. If you know the light of the world already, man, I celebrate with you, you now be the light of the world because there are so many people around you that need it. Yes, there are dark days, but man, there is a great light that God has placed in us. And if only we would allow that light to shine, we too can be used to pierce the darkness. But the greatest day, is not even what happened 2,000 years ago. I know, I talked about the the cross and the tomb and Jesus rising from the grave. Man, that was an incredible moment. Saturday must have been a miserable day. Imagine how incredible Sunday must have felt. But even that Sunday will be nothing compared to when Jesus Christ returns. There is a much, much greater day that awaits us. No matter how dark our world gets, and I hate to tell you, there may be days that it gets darker and darker and darker. But we have a hope because we know there is a day that is coming that he will pierce through the darkness. And actually what he will do is he will shine so bright that the darkness will completely disappear. If you will bow your heads with me, Father, as we come forward, as, as we come before you today, Lord, we ask that you would help us to see the light in the midst of the darkness. Lord, as we enter into this Christmas season, we know that what we are celebrating was the light of the world coming to a very dark world that desperately needed We are still a dark world. So much sin and ugliness around us, so much suffering. And sometimes we wonder how God could allow such ugliness to exist. And I don't know sometimes why you let things happen. I know we live in a fallen world. I know that sin is an ugly thing and it carries ugly consequences. And that's a big part of this Lord, I pray that in the midst of the darkness that you would shine as a bright light that would overpower the darkness.
Father, I pray today that you would do that in our hearts. Where we have allowed darkness and sin to take root in us, I pray that you would wash away the darkness by shining so brightly within us that the darkness cannot remain. Father, if there be one here that does not know you, Lord, I pray that right now they would surrender their lives to you, that they would know the light of God within them. And then, Lord, I pray that you would use us to be the light of the world to the world. Lord, I pray that you would shine through us so that the rest of the world would know that there is a way out of the darkness. Father, I pray that you would change us, use us, give us. Lord, I pray that you would remind us of the victories you've already given and then give us the opportunity to do great things through that. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. My question to you as I send you out today, are you looking forward to the light that Jesus has to offer? Are you ready for it? Are you ready for the day that he will return and make everything right? Maybe today you need to go shine your light in someone else's darkness. I invite you to do so. Thank you. Go in peace.